Hello. Welcome, friends. Thank you for listening to the Right Right Podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 30. We're on our 30th episode of the season, everyone. That's a really big deal. Um, we have... We're, this is two times, three times more than our first ever season episodes before year over it is. This episode is going to be about uh, fractal outlining, which is a, an outlining method that John mentioned um, a few episodes ago, which made my mind kind of explode into beautiful shattered, you know, uh, glistening fragments of possibility. Um, I I was I I asked our 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 group to uh, to be gracious enough to allow me to pepper John with questions about it, uh, and so that's what this episode is going to be. It's a deep dive on John's fractal outlining method. Uh, so to begin, I would like to ask you, John, what do you mean by fractal outlining? Because I, it's possible that my idea of what fractal outlining is and your idea of what fractal outlining is are very different things. Um, the reason I would call it fractal is just because like a fractal, you're breaking it down. You'll start with something like a sentence that summarizes your story. Um, so I mean, in a sentence, you want to mention who your character is, your, the conflict, the setting, right? But then you break that down successively into bigger things just, uh, uh, and so kind of like you're dividing it up. So eventually you're going to have the beginning, middle end of your story. And then you can take that a level further and sort of have like major parts, like some of the plot turning points or however you want to look at that. And then you can go take all that a step further and break it down into what I, I kind of called it frames because I don't want to see them as scenes. Frames are just like, in, in my mind, I always have pictures of certain things that I want to see happen. They could be a moment in a scene. They could be a whole scene. But anyway, I, I would then take that kind of, Thing, break it all down into the frames and work through almost like how you're working through a draft you've disciplined to get it down and then from there it's kind of like you have something that's very rigorously sketched out each frame I mean I'd make notes and then I would uh, transfer that into a dra uh, document and then break that down further and like flesh out the scenes and and when it comes time to write I basically got all these bullet points I've got I'm already already connecting to some of the emotions and various things that I want to be feeling, senses. I've written about some of the settings. It gives me a chance to kind of make notes on settings, secondary characters and all these things, kind of like going in full charge. And, and there's really no walls to hit except for where I might have not thought it through very well. So it's not a perfect method, but what I found is it gave me something to every time I opened the manuscript, I knew where I was going next. That's really interesting. It's that's fairly close to what I had imagined, um, except that 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 sort of initial part. So, do you mean to say that, like, when you come up with a story concept um, and you sort of have an idea floating in your head, you sit down and you kind of write what is essentially a logline or or a pitch for it, and then break that apart? That break that apart? Yeah, it's 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 a logline tagline. Um, Elevator pitch is sometimes used as well. Um, I often hear elevator pitch used for like the longer thing. So it's almost like what you could say in the course of an elevator ride. So it could be like the next step after a log line is to write a paragraph where you might expand a little bit more. But I mean, with a thousand roads, um, I think initially, I mean, I had no idea what the book was, but I knew it was going to be about a boy who gets, um, who is bound to 
the forces of the underworld and involves the resurrection of um, of a dark lord. So I, I knew that was all going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know anything about the story and how it would play out, but that that's sort of the idea. You start with a sentence that connects you to who's your character um, and then what's the conflict or what are the things that are going to happen. I mean, looking at it now, I mean, back when I wrote that, I didn't have a good understanding of conflict and some of those sort of uh, things. So, I mean, I've, I've been able to put that in now in revisions of the draft. But if I were coming at this fresh, following the same method, and I'd like to do that with the next novel I write, um, I would spend a bit more time making sure that that logline has a clear conflict and it's not just like a summary of stuff that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a I have a story that I started writing a while back, uh, back when we like first met online. Uh, and what I had for it was a pitch and I started writing and I realized I didn't have much else. I had like a pitch. Um, but if I applied this fractal method and I said, okay, well, cool. So we have uh, character, conflict, goal, fine character is sort of a first act thing we're establishing who we are and why we have stakes conflict is the meat of the book and goal is the you know hopefully the result of of all the struggle so that's a good way to look at things um but then you can break down each component into that same component structure again like there are these micro conflicts that take place in between the larger conflicts and that is how people advance in the story and that conflict can be this door won't open and it can also be them falling off a building or it can also be i stub my toe like it there's you know anything's a conflict if you make it a, a conflict the right way um so you mentioned that you don't necessarily have uh corners that you um can write yourself into when you're using this method um in the event that you do kind of write yourself into a corner in the draft, how does a fractal method help you um, sort of write the write the course of your story or write the ship, so to speak? Um, it well, initially it didn't because uh, I mean, again, I've learned a lot from the process. So I mean, I ended up with a draft that it. I guess. You know, you can look at it like NaNoWriMo. The goal of NaNoWriMo is to get your story out and get to the end, and it holds together. I mean, the previous, the first draft held together. Um, in terms of discovering what it is, that's something that you might need time to ruminate on it. And I think with practice, I mean, I, I don't expect that the next book I write like this, I'll run into the same trouble because I've learned a whole lot. I mean, I've written an entire novel since then, and even though that novel is going to be reworked later, I learned stuff in that process that I, I would apply here. So, I mean, I've become, I think when I wrote a thousand roads with this method, um, I was not, I was trying to come at it as a pure outliner. So I followed it to a T. Um, and I found that I did that I had some scenes that now in the next drafts, I just ditched them. I put mm-hmm. them in a file, like it's like a graveyard, folder and I just rewrote something new and my new voice comes in there and I'm kind of applying that in the current draft and and that sort of you know you you embrace when you the more you outline the more possibility you may have errors when you carry it forward into a draft so I think it's how learning to be flexible and realize if things have gone off course 
Um, it, this goes with just drafting. If you were a discovery writer, you could discover halfway through the draft that it's totally a different story. But then you have to ask yourself, are you better to just finish the draft so you see how it holds together and then go back and like, so, I mean, I tend to do that now. If I get ideas for stuff early on, I pin all kinds of notes there and I, I mean, I'll label them. It's like for, so for example, I'm doing the fourth draft. I have some notes that are for fifth draft and I just say, it's that way I'm not worried about fixing that. I can carry forward. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I think it's. It, it's it's kind of being flexible and adapting and coming up with some techniques that let you keep going and not keep like rewriting your novel from the beginning because I mean the whole point of an outline is to help you get to the end absolutely one of the things I think that about the word fractal that had such uh, an impact on me I guess was the idea that um, the scale is kind of uh, irrelevant like it can be applied across so many different types of fiction uh mm -hmm. from flash fiction through short through all the way through epic fantasy all the way through massive uh series um because of that whole um like the fractal is as above so below um where mm -hmm. at different scales the same shape exists um which is why it's so cool if you don't know about fractals, listeners, go get a glass of wine or whatever other thing you want to do to make yourself loose mentally and just Google fractals for a while and you're going to be like, what? Um, sorry, just do it. Like it's a, it's a tangent, definitely something that I shouldn't have said in the middle of my question, but go do that. I did it a lot in college. I'll just say that much. Got really into fractals. <laughs> um, and you can you can just do Google image search and it it grabs so many neat. Well, you don't have to know anything about fractals. Too. Yeah. And then once you do know that it's just math and that like not only is it math, but it like the fractal mathematics determine how certain types of cauliflower look or how ants, you know, make their big old nest things or there's actually a really good ted talk about how fractals uh can be seen in certain human structures in africa how uh, like down to the interior of homes uh has certain similar uh ratios to this village as a whole like really really cool stuff anyway what i'm getting at here is have you used this method on stories of different lengths or do you sort of use it specifically on the long form epics? Um, this translates very well to nonfiction. I've written some nonfiction. Um, so, I mean, that's different length. I think any, I think you can do it with short stories. I haven't specifically applied it to a short story because for short stories I've written, um, usually I write them in a day. So it doesn't really make sense to outline it all before. Because the thing about the short story is it's like one event and one person. It's a very, usually a very short thing, at least for me when I, when I tackle them. Uh, this method actually, before I wrote A Thousand Roads, I came up with it and experimented and tried to write a short story, which turned into a bloated novella um, that didn't know what it was. So that, that one didn't work out. But it was kind of what got me started in realizing there's something here. Um, I think the difference between this and A Thousand Roads, 
uh, where Thousand Roads worked is, first of all, I embraced that this is going to be a novel um, because I was packing way too much in. Uh, but what usually helps me develop it is when I start, uh, I, rather than just thinking about breaking up the scenes, I go to, uh, I shift in another dimension. So I go start exploring characters or settings. Characters in particular generate this whole bunch of ideas for what needs to go in those spaces where I can't find them. So, for example, in A Thousand Roads, Jack is my main character. Uh, when I was planning the book, I mean, I was even, I think I was at the step where I had all this, all the frames I was putting together. I didn't know what, it just felt empty. I didn't know what had to happen. And I decided to explore character and I came up with a female character who was kind of like a, you know, a, a poison influence on him. And so it was going to be like toxic love. Um, kind of got an element of that in the current draft, but that allowed me to suddenly like spike the whole story with all these different twists and and put it together. So then I, when I did that, I'm like, oh, okay. So I learned to explore, create other characters, and you know, you don't have to flesh them all out in the manuscript. But I think just knowing stuff about them helps you think of story ideas. Um, same thing goes with settings because you can like write the backstory of a setting on a separate card or something and it gets you thinking more about possibilities. Yeah, on the uh, on the writing excuses cruise, uh, one of the instructors uh, held a um, just sort of like an off calendar off books session um, where he talked about his sort of like 13 point outlining method specifically having to do with characters. Um, and it was like writing, writing out the character, which in turn ended up writing the entire story. Like when you define this character, um, and their goals and their emotions and their weaknesses and their strengths and, um, their, you know, place in the world, suddenly a story builds around them. Um, and I'm sure that same method could be applied. I, I was actually going to bring it up in the last episode, but I forgot to, um, but, uh, there, this, this resource turned out to be like incredibly helpful. Um, and it might even be structurally similar. Like you give this person a name and a basic physical description, and then you give them a, like some physical thing, like a, like a, like a noticeable difference. It could be anything from, uh, like, you know, wings of white hair to a scar, to a missing tooth, to a limp, to whatever it is. Um, and you just like continue to extend this character and suddenly you're talking about like the story as a whole. And I have outlined an entire story through a character building exercise, um, which is similar sort of to, to this idea. I wonder if it would be, if you could, if you could sort of tweak that method to apply it to setting, because I think that would be like massively helpful to me and to presumably other writers. And it does feel like it's the kind of thing that plays well with a fractal method as you've described it. Um, but the, the, the way you described it actually reminded me of something that Craig said about the way that he outlined his thriller back burner project, how he had like six sentences, right? If I'm not mistaken. Um, you said you had like six sentences that you were like, this has happened. Like, these are the things that happen in the story. Uh, and I'm sort of putting them somewhat simply together. Um, okay. Yeah. Do you remember? I think I remember. I think I had the major plot points. Um, and because it's a James Rollins style thriller, there's some globe traveling and like 
bits of history that are sort of rewritten. And so I think I had five or six major points that had to happen in the book. And so it was, how do I get from point one to point two, point two to point three? Um, and then following traditional thriller uh, pacing and storytelling techniques uh, and kind of filling in the blanks. So I did have a complete outline-ish before I started. Mm -hmm. But 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 not the same way, though. So this isn't quite the fractal. This is, these are, uh, like, guideposts, right? Yeah, it's sort of like if you were physically traveling from one city to another, you might know which towns you have to pass through. And then once you've got that figured out, then you look at what roads would you take to get from town to town. Um, and then if you want to zoom in even more, I mean, then there's the little things that happen in traffic all the time that send you in different directions. Mm -hmm. I guess that would be one way to look at it. Yeah. I, th I think one thing about that approach, it and, and this is going to vary from person to person on often why you would outline versus discovery, right? It depends on how orderly your mind is mm. and how good you are at coming up with things that make sense. Uh, Craig is really good at that. So he's good at, he'll think of a story and he can put the points and they, they add up to something. I can't do that. If I do that, I've got nonsense. So that's for me why I have this method and I have to kind of think top down and think about function. Um, I'm sure I'll get better at it with time, but I mean, I often get so into like what's in front of me that I forget the perspective and, or I'll get stuck and I'm trying to think of what to put next and in grappling for that, I might not know at that time, but I know what comes five steps later. So I can, if I can look at it like the pieces and then just slot them in as the inspiration comes, I do a lot better. Um, but I, I know with, uh, with Craig's method, he, um, often has the points and then when he writes a story it's like each point might translate into a couple paragraphs or part of a scene and I mean I think Rachel Aaron in her 2k to 10k book that's the, essentially the same method she uses and mm -hmm. I think she has some outlining but it's it's not kind of this fractal process where you follow these steps to get there it's just the idea that okay you're writing this scene so make notes of all the beats and then away you go that's yeah I put in would de depend on how complicated the scene is and what is absolutely necessary. So mm -hmm. in a thriller, like you've got all the thriller, mystery, those genres, you've got all these bits and pieces that are crucial to put in there to hold the story together. So I would have more detail there. Whereas if I was writing a romance and it's like, this is a scene where the male and female leads meet and they decide that they despise each other that might only take two or three bullet points versus say 10 to 12 for a thriller chapter i think the key thing is um that these points and this whole thing if you could see it like an exploration so yes it's an outline it's going to serve as a bit of a guide when you go to write but at the end of the day it's more of a tool to help you explore in a pre-drafting way because you know like you can only explore so much before you go in and actually write the words. So the thing about this is, yeah, you might get a lot of details or things might be wrong when you go and write them, but it gets your gets you digging before you actually have to write words. And what I like about the fractal method is it takes you really close to the edge right mm -hmm. before. 
uh, basically I, I end up with the same thing that Craig has where he has points, right? Um, and because of the way the method works, usually I'll have points all throughout. So there's really no, no holes to fill in, um, except for where I realize, oh, okay, it didn't quite work out. I got to invent something else, but mm -hmm. that's okay. That's, that's part of the fun of writing as well. So we are, uh, we are right at time and I have one final question for you, John, and that is, have you formally written out how to fractal outline? Do you have any kind of like instructional guide on how to do that? I do have it somewhere. I can dig it up. Actually, um, I've started to work on a nonfiction book about it. Okay. That, I mean, it's, it's, it's on spec completely. I don't know when I'll be done. But I'm thinking maybe uh, for this, since we talked about it here, I will make, put together a blog post that outlines it, and then you can link to it. Cool. Uh, then that'll be a that'll be our homework for our readers. It will be to to read John's more more detailed uh, blog post about fractal outlining, um, and try to apply it to a story of any length, um, or try to see if you can sort of reconstruct the story you're working on now within that method and see if it might work for you. Um, okay. That is our that is our prompt for the. Um, thank you. You have a beautiful cat in your lap, Craig. Is that Shiger? It is Shiger. He's furry. What a pretty man. Reminds me of my lady, who's who's just over yonder. All right, I have to go play with my cat now. Thank you, podcasters, for joining me. Thank you, listeners, for joining us. We will catch you next time. <laughs>